Alright, hello SNU. What's up, Emmaus? I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> uh, wow, it's so good to be here. Uh, I cannot tell you how excited I was this whole week. Uh, this is my first time speaking at um, an Emmaus event. Um, and can I just say, like, this is my first time seeing like many of you, but I already love you. Like, I already, like, my heart is just bursting with so much love for each and every one of you. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for having me here. Um, thank you, Mayus. Thank you, uh, Rona, for just this incredible opportunity. Um, yeah, so why don't we start with some prayer? Yeah. Yeah, God, we just thank you. We just thank you, Lord, that you are so good, Lord, that you, Lord, um, as we sang, Lord, you are the Lord over the storm, God, that even amidst the storm, God, even amidst, Lord, um, whatever craziness that's going on in our lives, midterms or family issues or whatnot, Lord, you are truly the Lord over the storm. And so, Lord, I just ask that right now that you'd open up our hearts, open up our ears, God, uh, that the word would go deep, um, that the word, Lord, would not fall to the ground, but Lord, that it would uh, bear fruit, God, in our lives. And so I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would uh, come and fill this room. We welcome your presence here, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just introduce myself real quick. Uh, so as Pastor Rona said, um, I am an intern pastor at uh, the New Philly Itaewon campus. Um, I was born in New Jersey. Anyone know where New Jersey is? All right, two people. <laughs> All right, New Jersey is an awesome state. It's the Garden State. Um, and uh, but when I was nine years old, I actually moved to Russia. Do you guys know where Russia is? Okay. All right. Thank goodness. <laughs> so uh, my parents actually became missionaries, and we moved to I moved to Russia when I was nine years old. Um, grew up there, and then I came back to New Jersey. Went to college in Pennsylvania, and uh, through crazy series of events, uh, God brought me to Korea two years ago. And it was here in Korea where my life was really radically transformed. Um, God really took me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. Uh, he put, you know, he took away the ashes and put a crown of beauty on my head. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it's really my privilege uh, to be an intern pastor. Um, this, that's something I would have never imagined for myself ever to become an intern pastor. Um, and I think that's the marvel and that's the really fascinating thing about God, right? When you uh, decide to follow him and obey him, you really don't know where he's going to lead you. He goes far beyond your imagination. Um, and so can I, I just want to share a story about how, um, one of my fears for um, becoming an intern pastor was actually what I'm doing right now, which is preaching. <laughs> um, so, um, so one of my greatest fears is public speaking. And I know some people, it's fear of heights, fear of holes, fear of spiders, um, many different fears, but my fear was public speaking. And so to give you a little short history, uh, when my first public speaking was when I was about uh, in second grade. I was supposed to recite John 3.16, and I went up there, and I completely screwed up. And I had to, like, everyone was laughing at me, and my face turned bright red, and I ran off the stage. 
So that was my first time. And then my second time was I had to share my testimony. And um, it was at youth group. And it was a coffee house. And there was, like, this boy that I had a crush on. And I was literally, like, shaking like this. And he couldn't read the words because I was shaking so badly. Uh, so that was my second experience public speaking. And then um, I'm the kind of person, I don't know about you guys, but I like to overcome my fears. I don't like to be someone that, you know, sits in my fears. I like to face my fears and overcome them, you know. And so um, I decided when I was in college to take a public speaking class because I was like, you know what, like, I'm done with this. I'm not g o i n I'm so sick of being afraid of holding a mic and talking in front of people. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this public speaking class and let's see where this goes, right? I enter the class and um, I'm given my first speech and we're supposed to give like a show and tell, right? I give the show and tell and I'm just a blubbering mess. I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm stuttering over my words. Everyone's just kind of just staring at me um, and I'm in this like spotlight. Uh, and it was just a really big mess. And so I went up to the professor after class, and I was, like, in tears. I was bawling, like, I'm a failure at life. And, you know, can you help me? I basically went up to him for help. I was saying, hey, like, this is something I'm struggling with. Can you, as my professor, help me? And did you know what he said? He said, get out of my class. Yeah. Yeah, he said, I don't need people like you in my class. get out. And so I had to drop the class. Yeah. In his defense, he had cancer. So <laughs> not, that, not that that excuses it, but, um, you know, he was going through a lot. And so he was, you know, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that really traumatized me. You know, that really traumatized me. I dropped the class and I decided, okay, God, I get it. Like, it's not for me. Public speaking is not for me. I understand. I get it. Um, and here I am. <laughs> and so this fear of public speaking, um, it crippled me, but at the same time, um, I never, ever could would have thought that this was an area, my greatest weakness, my greatest fear was the area that God would use me in. I would have never imagined that. And so let's take a look at a story um, in the Bible where... God, or Jesus, um, gives courage and strength to Peter, one of my favorite disciples. Okay, so let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Okay, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, so I'm going to read from the ESV, um, and let's just read back and forth. Okay, I'll read the first verse, you read the second verse. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. 
And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Amen. So this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, and yeah, let me just, let's just take it through verse by verse. And let's really understand this story. Because I know we've heard it so many times. Uh, but it's really, when you really think about what was happening here, it was pretty crazy. Okay, so let's just go through and look at the story and where what's going on here. Uh, so in verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, go before him. And so this is actually right after um, the miracle of the Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right? So Jesus has fed the 5,000, and um, the crowds are wanting to make him king. So immediately Jesus tells the disciples, Go, get on this boat, go to the other side, and I'm going to go to a mountain. And so at this point, the disciples are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Why are we separating, right? Why are, we sep- why are you going alone t- uh, to a mountain while we go on a boat to the other side? And so um, the disciples, despite their unwillingness to be separated from Jesus, they're saying, Jesus, we want to be with you in this boat. Um, like, who's going to take care of you on this mountain alone? Like, we don't want to leave you alone, and we don't want to go alone on this boat. We don't want to be apart from you. But Jesus says, go. And the disciples, they obey out of just pure obedience, despite their unwillingness. Um, and so after he dismisses the crowd, he goes on the mountain and he prays. And the Bible doesn't say, you know, what Jesus prays about, but he was there for a really long time. He was there from evening, and if we look later in the passage, until 3 a.m. How many of you have prayed until 3 a.m. before? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not even Rona. (laughs) Uh, But he prays for a really long time, and what I believe is that he was praying for the disciples. He was praying on behalf of the disciples. Um, because Jesus is our great intercessor, right? And, um, yeah, and so, okay, so the story goes on, right? The disciples are out in the boat. They're like, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're not with us, but we're going to go in this boat, and we're going to go to the other side. We're going to obey you, right? So this get on this boat, and it's getting dark. It's getting late. The evening is coming. The sun has set, Okay, and the disciple, and the and the, the wind's getting stronger, right? The wind's getting stronger. The waves are kind of blowing into the boat, um, and they're starting to get confused. They're starting to get worried. Okay, um, it says in verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Okay, and so. Um, a, Bible commentaries or scholars say that they this, they were actually going through a storm. Okay? And so they're thinking, okay, Jesus, we did what you told us to do. We got on this boat in the dark, in the storm, and now we're hitting a storm? Like, what is going on here? And where are you? Right? Jesus, where are you? You're supposed to be with us right now. 
Like in, in previous chapters, Jesus was in them with the boat, but he was, he was sleeping, right? He was, but he was still with them. But this time around, Jesus is not in the boat with them. And they're just in the storm, in the dark, not knowing what to do, not able to get back to Jesus, and just really confused. Right? Jesus, have you abandoned us? Jesus, are you sleeping on the mountain? Like, why don't you sleep, why don't you at least sleep in the boat with us? Right? And how many times do we feel like that in our lives? Right? We follow God's calling. We say, God, I will follow you. I'll, do, I'll obey you. Yes! And we do it with excitement. And then at some point, we're like, God, where are you? I don't feel your presence. Right? Um, and so, the, the Matthew Henry commentary that I found says, It is no new thing for Christ's disciples to meet with storms in the way of their duty and to be sent to sea when their master foresees a storm. But let them not take it unkindly. What he does they know not now, but they shall know hereafter that Christ designs hereby to manifest himself with more wonderful grace to them and for them. And so what this is saying is that Jesus knew Right? Jesus knew he's sovereign, he's all-powerful. He knew that there was going to be a storm. Right? And he, yet he sent them anyway. He sent them anyway. Okay? Um, and so what we need to know is that despite the disciples' confusion or their questions or doubts, Jesus is sovereign. Right? He knows what he's doing. He's in control. Um, okay, and so let's go into the verse 25. What does it say? And in the fourth watch of the night, Okay, so this is where it gets a little crazy, right? In the fourth watch of the night means 3 a.m. Okay, so fourth watch, so first watch is 6 a.m., second watch is 9, 9 p.m., uh, I mean 6 p.m., 9 p.m., 12 a.m., and then 3 a.m. Okay, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so at 3 a.m., right, Jesus starts walking on the water, like, how crazy is that? I mean, we've heard it so many times, right? But really, think about it, right? Think about this guy walking on the water to you at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so, in this, um, Jesus is not demonstrating, right? Like, oh, look at me, I'm so cool, like, look what I can do, right? He's demonstrating his concern, for his disciples, his beloved disciples. He's demonstrating um, that he is sovereign over nature, over science, over the laws of science, right? That nothing and no one can defy his sovereignty, right? Not even science. And so he defies science. He says, I am king. I am sovereign over all creation. And I'm going to do what I can to get to the people that I love. He hears their cries. He hears their confusion, and he goes after them, right? Regardless of what that looks like, right? It's, it's a crazy paradigm, right? It's beyond our paradigm, like walking on water. Like, that's something we couldn't have even imagined, right? But Jesus, he's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to hear the cries of my people, and I'm going to go and save them. I'm going to comfort them, okay? And the fourth watch of the night is also the same time when God delivered the Israelites at the Red Sea, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's the same time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, scientifically, we don't know if it was the waters that were like, condensing and Jesus was able to walk on, like, solid water or whether, you know, he defied gravity. We don't know, right? But the point is that Jesus is sovereign. He's divine. He's sovereign over um, the, the, the waves, the winds, um, and he can use it for whatever purposes that he has, 
right? So Jesus is sovereign. He's in control. He's all powerful. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so let's go back into verse 26. And it says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, what's the word? Terrified, right? I mean, imagine, right? Imagine that, and, and ghosts were actually very, uh, they, during this time, they really believed in ghosts. They really believed in, like, apparitions, right? And so let's put it into, like, you know, modern day context. You guys know what, uh, Korean Kishin is? Right? Like the Korean Kishin with the white face and long black hair, you know? Like, and imagine, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, you're like, you know, like sleepy, you're getting out of your dorms, you're going to the bathroom and you see this Kishin, like, like walking towards you. Like, what would have been your reaction? Terrified, right? Ter- absolutely terrified. What would, what would you do? Sarah Wong, what would your reaction be? Hi. <laughs> terrified. They really believe this is a ghost, right? Because at this point, again, Jesus is coming after them. He's on his way, right, to comfort them. But what are the disciples thinking right now? They've kind of lost hope. Right? They kind of, they're kind of in that darkness, confusion, waves, and wind, and Jesus, Jesus coming, is he not coming? And then ghost. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a ghost. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they're terrified. This is pretty scary. This is like pretty scary. This is like, you know, the ring kind of stuff. Um, and so, and the water, you know, comes out of the water. Um, and what does it say though in verse 27? But, What's the word? Immediately, right? Immediately, right? He doesn't give them time to be scared, right? He just immediately comes to them and says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, it is I. And what's interesting to note here is Jesus says, It's me. He doesn't need to say, It's Jesus. He doesn't need to say his name. He just says, It's me, guys. Like, calm down. Right? It's me. Like, they know his voice. They're his sheep. They know his voice. And so, um, yeah, so Jesus comes and he says, it's, it's me, it's me. And, I mean, think about this, right? So it's the disciples, they're waiting, they're scared, they're thinking we're going to die, they see a ghost, but it's Jesus. And Peter, okay, he is so overjoyed, right? At this point, again, the, we're thinking like they've been on the sea for a good, you know, nine hours maybe, right? They've been waiting on the sea for nine hours, okay? And Peter finally gets to see um, his teacher, his rabbi, right? His um, Jesus, his Lord. And Peter has been longing for Jesus for many, many hours, right? And it is out of love that he asks Jesus if he can come to him, right? It's not out of a desire to see if he can walk on water, it's not out of a desire to say, like, um, you know, like, oh, Jesus, like, I want to see if I can do what you can do, right? It's purely, Jesus, I want to be where you are. Jesus, I missed you. Jesus, I've been waiting for you. I, I can't wait for you to get here, so I'm going to come to you. Jesus is, he's saying, Jesus, like, that's how much I want to be with you. Jesus, if you, if it's really you, if you're really not a ghost, if it's really you, tell me to come. Tell me to come to you. Right? This is not about Peter walking on water. It's really not. Right? It's about Peter longing to be with his Lord. It's longing to be, um, you know, in the arms of his Savior. And, and this is the cry. This should be the cry of our hearts, too. 
right? Jesus, let me come to you no matter what I face. No matter what I, no matter what winds and waves and fears, I will, I will despise the waves. I will, um, look down on the waves and my fears as long as it means I can be near to you. Right? I will give up my safety. I will give up my security in the boat. I will throw myself against the jaws of death and despise the threatening waves that terrified me before. And I will come to you. Let me come to you. Okay. And if you know, right? I mean, we see this all the time in Korean dramas and stuff, right? But true love, it will go through anything, right? It will overcome anything to be with the person that you love, right? I mean, you see this all the time in Korean dramas, right? People are, like, running to each other, and they, they, like, trip and fall over, like, stones and still get back up and, like, run towards each other. <laughs> yeah, and so this is the image that we have, right? The image of Peter saying, Jesus, I want to be with you. I mean, Jesus, he could have been offended, right? Jesus could have been like, what? Like, what? What are you thinking? Like, I'm Jesus, and you're trying, are you trying to be like me? Are you trying to, you know, try to usurp my authority, right? He's not, he could have been offended. But the thing about Jesus is he sees our heart. He always sees our heart. And Peter's heart was one of sincere and zealous devotion to him. And so Jesus was gracious because he saw that Peter's heart was the desire to trust in Jesus, to trust that, Jesus, I'm going to go after you, and I'm going to go to be with you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to sustain me over these waters. You're going to protect me. You're going to uphold me. And this is in, in direct contrast to the Pharisees. Right? The Pharisees were constantly asking Jesus, Jesus, prove that, you know, prove this, prove that. They're always questioning him, but their heart was out of doubting him, right? It was, it was, their heart was to tempt Jesus, right? But that's direct contrast to Peter, whose heart was purely, Jesus, I want to trust you and I want to be with you. Yeah. And it just, it just reminds me of, you know, so growing up in Russia, um, I uh, I had a lot of friends that came in and out of my life because I went to an international Christian school. And, um, yeah, like I had friends that come and go every year, and I was always the one that stayed. And I, But I remember one time I prayed so hard to God. I was like, God, I really want a friend. I just really want a friend. Like, and I would, like, sing songs, like, give me a friend, God. Like, you know, just like, you know, it was really sad. But he answered my prayer. And he brought me this girl named Rachel Carney. And we became like the bestest of friends. Like, he really does answer prayers like that, you know? And, um, we were so close. Uh, but unfortunately the next year she had to leave. <laughs> she had to leave. Uh, and I remember just being so heartbroken and just, man, like every moment that I could have with her, like I just grabbed it. You know, and I remember the moment where we were going to be separated for eternity, you know, and, and I went to the airport and we were both just crying and crying. And um, I remember uh, this was in Russia. Right. So this is like the security is pretty like tough. And uh, we're at the airport. I'm crying. We're like holding hands, like not letting go of each other. And uh, I remember like just letting go of her finally. And then she goes and I see her walking through the airport. And then like in this final moment of like, no, like I want to be with her longer. I run through the security. 
I, mean, like, so I just like run through the security. I like, I don't know how, I like, like go under and over things. And then I finally get to her and I just give her this like big hug. And um, yeah, I don't know why I'm sharing that, but <laughs> I guess that's just an image, right? That's an image of just how Peter is just longing, right? He's longing to um, go through any obstacles, right? At this point, it could be water. It could be fire. It could be, you know, hellfire. It could be anything. It could be his worst fears. It doesn't matter, right? It, it all fades in the, in the sight of him going to Jesus, right? Fixing his eyes on Jesus and saying, I want, I'm going to be with you. And then in verse 29, what does it say? What does Jesus say? He says, come, right? Come. I'm going to let you come. I'm not going to despise your, you know, like over enthusiasm, right? I'm not going to look down on it. I'm not going to condemn it. Come, come to the waters, right? Come, I'm going to sustain you, right? And so Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water, right? And this is impossible, guys, right? We read about it all the time, but this is scientifically impossible, right? And yet he does it, right? He does, he's like, I don't care, I'm gonna go there. You know, he just goes. And the thing about this scene here is that Jesus, when he says, come, come unto the waters, he's saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. I'm giving you authority to walk on the water. I'm not just saying, come on the water so I can see you drown, so I can laugh at you, right? When God calls us to come and to follow him, he's not saying, do it and and I'm going to watch you screw up. I'm going to watch you make mistakes and laugh. He's saying, come because I believe in you. I believe in you. Yeah. Yavina, I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know who was the name. Yeah, uh, and it's okay, you know. It's okay if you don't believe in yourself, because God He believes in you, and that's sufficient. And so Jesus tells Peter, "Come, I believe in you. You can do it because I'm doing it, right? I'm standing on the water. Just look at me." Okay, look at me. Don't look at your circumstances. Fix your eyes on me. Don't look at the winds. Don't look at the waves. Don't look at the darkness. Don't look at your circumstances, but fix your eyes on me and just come follow me and I will be the one. Okay, I will be the one to hold you up. And um, Jesus says, right, in John 16:33, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome the world. It's just us following in his footsteps, right? Following in what he has already overcome. And as Rona already said, shared earlier today, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, right? It's tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Nothing can, neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nothing on earth can separate us from coming to Jesus, Nothing, not even our own fears. And what's really awesome in this passage is that it's so much better to be in the water with Jesus than safe on the boat, right? It's so much, it's actually safer to be in the water with Jesus than, than to be apart from Jesus on the boat, 
right? And it's so much more fun. Like, <laughs> I mean, how many of you guys like think it's really cool to walk on water, right? That would be so cool. It's actually really fun, right? I don't see like, you know, I mean, it, it could be a little scary, but it's really actually pretty fun, right? To think that you're gonna do something that no one on earth has ever done before, right? You're gonna set like a Guinness World Record, right? By following, by doing what Jesus said, right? Um, but then what happens here? What happens here? Verse 30, okay? So Jesus, you know, Peter, he gets out of the boat. He gets out of the boat. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this, Jesus. I'm going to go where you are. I don't care, like, you know, what, what I'm afraid of. I'm going to step into the water. I'm going to believe that you have given me the authority. You, you believe in me, and I'm going to come. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. And then what happens? Verse 30. He was afraid. Uh-oh. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Right? Um, and But the thing is here, what I want to point out is um, yeah, what I want to point out is that even though he stumbled, right, his response was proper, right? He cried out to Jesus. Like, cried out to Jesus. He wasn't just saying, he wasn't trying to save himself. He wasn't trying to save himself. He was saying, Jesus, I'm going to cry out to you, Jesus, Lord, save me. My faith is weak. Save me. Save me. And that is the proper response. That's the proper response when we are sinking. It's not, I'm going to try to get myself up together so that I can impress God, right? So that I can impress Jesus when I finally get to him, right? The proper response is crying out, falling on your knees and saying, Jesus, I'm sinking. I'm falling. I need you. I need you. And what happens? Verse 31, it says, Jesus, what's the word? Immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Right? And what I want to say here is, Jesus, he doesn't despise Peter's weak faith. He doesn't despise it. And that's what I really want to hammer in today. That Peter... He might have been overly enthusiastic in wanting to go out to Jesus on the water. But ultimately, the test, he failed, right? He stumbled, right? He, He started sinking because he lost sight of Jesus. But does Jesus rebuke him and say, gosh, like, you have no faith. He doesn't say you have no faith. He says you have, what's the word? Little faith, right? He's saying you have, you have faith. It's just little, it's just little, but I don't despise it, okay? I don't despise it. I don't look down on it, but I'm going to take you to a place where your faith will be become big, and this is one of the ways, is by testing your faith. It's by testing it, bringing you through these trials, okay? And so Jesus does, doesn't despise your weak faith either, Okay, I know as Christians, uh, you know, we, we see these amazing people who um, have incredible faith and we look up to them. But sometimes, you know, I mean, even for me personally, right, I think like, man, like, I wish I could have more faith for this, right? And sometimes my faith falls short. My faith falls short and, and I'm like, man, why is my faith so weak? And I feel like I have to get myself to a place Right, get myself strive like I believe, I believe, I believe. You know, like repeat certain things. I don't do whatever it takes for me to, you know, overcome this weak faith so that I can present myself worthy to God and to and to church and to church leaders, right? 
Um, but Jesus, he doesn't despise our weak faith because he, it's like a mustard seed, right? A mustard seed is small, but it, when you plant that little mustard seed of faith, it grows up to be a big tree, right? Um, and But the thing is here, although Jesus doesn't despise his weak faith, right, he is still hurt by it. Right? Here is, he's not saying, oh, you, he's not really rebuking him in anger. He's kind of hurt, right? He's saying, oh, like you have little faith, and that's great, but why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Don't you know that I'm sovereign over the winds and the waves? Don't you know? Can't you see me? Why weren't you fixing your eyes on me? And he's expressing this because he, again, like we said before, he believes in Peter. He's saying, I believe in you, and I love you. I love you, and I, I expect more from, out of you. No, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so even for me, like in my own life, like, you know, if I could just be honest, you know, I have... I could say I have pretty, you know, strong faith in certain areas, but you know, in certain areas there are times when I when my faith is weak, right? When it's hard to believe. It's hard to see past their circumstances and fix your eyes on Jesus and then just believe. Right? In two areas for me that I, my faith falls short, my faith is weak is um concerning like physical healing and concerning breakthrough in my family. If I could be real honest, you know, I mean, we see physical healing, right? We see um, you know, hear testimonies but for some reason in my heart it was so hard for me to believe it i don't know why um so not anymore <laughs> but long and a while ago um actually very recently and um yeah i and i prayed to god and i said god i i want you god to you know to give me this gift of faith because my faith is so weak you know and i feel like a failure i don't even want to tell anyone that i have a hard time believing in for physical healing right that's kind of embarrassing because, you know, that's, that's a huge part of what we believe. Um, and I remember when I went uh, on missions to the Philippines this past summer, um, that's the one thing I asked for. I said, God, I want you to show me a crazy physical healing. Like, I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to be extravagant in my asking, and I'm going to say, God, I'm, I'm so weak in my faith, I don't know why, and, but I want you to show me. Show me your uh, power through this missions trip. And man, the, it was so crazy. Uh, we went um, to this village up in the mountains, and um, they have this kind of like hut, like for a church, um, and in, in these like little benches for uh, chairs. And you know, we were worshiping and praising. And we had our team had prayed for physical healing the night before, um, and um, or we had prayed that God would give us an opportunity for physical healing the night before. And uh, at that church, remember, there was just, you know, we worshipped, we gave the word, um, and we were about to go, and then the preacher, I mean, or the pastor of the church, uh, brought uh, two young boys, and um, they were both lame and uh, mute uh, and mental, had mentally, mental challenges. And uh, my heart just broke. My heart just broke. Um, and I think especially because um, the one brother brother he looked like my brother and so um as i just i was like god is this going to be it are we going to see am i going to see crazy physical healing um a team prayed uh we 
prayed more, and I think we kind of scared him because we were like a bunch of foreigners just like screaming over him. Uh, so we just, you know, we said, hey, like we love you. Uh, we want to see healing in your life. Um, and so we prayed, and lo and behold, um, he gets up. He gets up, and the whole village is surrounding this event. The whole village is there. Everyone just kind of moves to the side, creates this row for him to walk through. And he gets up, and before his face is like crying, he's, you know, he's scared, he's confused. Uh, but then as soon as he gets up, his face just lights up. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. This is really happening. And I, I started crying. Everyone started crying. And he started walking. I mean, his legs were weak because, you know, the muscles weren't as strong. But he got up. He got up and he started just wobbling, you know, through this row. And the whole village is cheering. The pastors are weeping. Um, he, he just, he's in awe. He's just, he just kind of go. And then as soon as his, hit, his feet hit the grass outside, he's running. Yeah, he's running. He has this huge smile on his face. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys that, you know, your weak faith, like it doesn't need to stay there, right? It doesn't need to stay there. Um, at the same time, you can bring it before God. You can bring it before God. You don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't need to, um, try to hide it or try to, uh, be, feel condemned by it, right? Even, maybe even you question the existence of God, right? Or question Jesus or who he is. It's okay. You don't need to be embarrassed of that. Okay, um, but it doesn't need to stay there either. Okay, and so um, so coming back to this story, um, yeah. And so they come back into the boat, and the wind um, ceases; it dies down. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." And when we uh, have faith. When we walk out in faith, worship is the product. When our faith in God as sovereign over creation, sustainer of our walk in Him, is mature, the natural response is worship. Right? They worship in Him, saying, Jesus, you truly are the Messiah. Yeah. And so, yeah, if we could just have um, prayer. Um, yeah, let's just, let's just close our eyes. Just close our eyes and, uh, yeah, Let's take a time to just pray and to just um, ask God, Jesus, uh, what are some fears in my life? What are some areas, God, that you are asking me to come into the water? What are some areas, God, that you are asking me to do things that I'm normally afraid of, do things that I'm normally maybe embarrassed about, do things that scare the, scare the living daylights out of me? But God, what are you asking me to do, God? What are you, where are you calling me to, to be with you, God? Yeah, so I just want you to, um, take this time, this moment to just pray, um, and